Hello, Colin. <laughs> Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> so I met Colin. I lost my luggage. Then I met a friend at a Venice dinner party who said that you have a great sense in style because I was looking mm. for some new clothes and style. Then I looked at your Instagram profile and you run a fashion brand that is sustainably minded. So I got excited by that and reached out and we just had lunch and now we're doing a podcast together. Wonderful. <laughs> Who, what was the dinner party when you met Lisa? Yeah, it was, um, it was a friend of ours, Coco, a mutual friend. Oh, yeah. Um, Coco McKenzie. Okay. Who I've also had on a previous podcast. Cool. But um, man, already loved chatting. It was so fun just over lunch and just, you're a very, very smart man. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I fooled you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's worked. Um, already love the chat. Tell me a bit about your your brand and and why you got it. Why you started making clothes and your mindset about the wastefulness, etc., of the fashion business. Yeah, um, I've made things my whole life. Just anything I can get my hands on. Not well, mind you, but I have made things um, from. I like. I made this table that we're sitting at. Oh, wicked. Um, instead of an old barn from Northern California and I made the couch, I made my bed. I just, I like making things <laughs> like you live in the world that you live in, right? Mm. That you, so you might as well create it, mm. um, so that you can shape it how you want it to be. And then you get to kind of know what things are and then you understand what's real in certain ways. Um, I went to Burning Man a few years ago, mm. um, six years ago or something. And one of the principles was radical self-expression and um, I wore women's tights and all sorts of different things. I had a blast just playing with clothes. And I was really bored with clothes in the real world for men. If you wanted something funky and wild and really well made, it cost so much money. It was ridiculous. So I wasn't super keen on that. So I wanted something that was fun and expressive that had that funk and that edge to it um, that didn't exist. It was either like for men, it's track pants, pants or a suit. It's just <laughs> so boring. And women get to have all the fun. Yeah. So... I also realized at Burning Man that I can't fully express who I am if I'm wearing someone else's labels. And so I made some clothes for Burning Man and I went there and it was really fun. And people were like, oh my God, where'd you get those? And I put a lot of thought into it. And I was like, wait a minute, the wizards that I think are wizards like what I'm wearing. I'm like, this is wild. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I came home from Burning Man and I was like, why can't I wear this everywhere? Like, I can't <laughs> wear these pants and these things I've made to do whatever I want to. I was pretty nervous about it, but I was like, you know what? I live in Venice. It's a weird, fun place. I'm just going to walk out of the house and wear it and see what it's like. So I walked out of the house, and as soon as I got to my front gate, someone walked past and was like, whoa, where'd you get those pants? And I was like, that's a, that's a cool first step. Okay. <laughs> and that just happened over and over and over until finally my friends and I were just like, okay, I should do something about this. So I made 200 pairs however long ago, um, three years ago, maybe I made yeah. 200 pairs, released them in the world. I, I don't market it really or tell anybody. It's just kind of word of mouth and they all disappeared pretty quickly and it's all dead stock fabric. My idea was, and this kind of goes with my theory with any business in this world at this moment in time, especially coming from the Western world. If you're going to create something in this world, it most definitely must consider the health of the planet, the people followed by profit. And if it doesn't go in that order, then it's broken and it's part of an old world system that has caused the problems that we're in today. So if you can't do it that way, get more creative. Think about it. How is this going to benefit or at least not harm us, the planet, the current situation? And then you can worry about your kind of bottom line from there. But I think that's what kind of business has to do. So for me, it was I wanted to have it locally made. So it had to be made downtown L.A. 
I wanted to locally source material. So I found dead stock material, which is end run fabrics. There's thousands to choose from. It goes to a giant warehouse. So dead stock is, explain that again for people. Dead stock is fabric that has been used for something else. And there's like an end run left. There's like a couple of rolls or a roll or two or whatever it might be that's left over. And it's just sitting there and it'll sit there for years or it'll go to waste and it'll just go to garbage. As we were talking about earlier, fashion is the second biggest polluter on planet earth behind oil, which that is bro. That's awful. That's crazy. And for me, I only was aware of the landfill aspect of it, but you're talking about the production of it is what is the biggest sucker. Well, think about going from like, I mean, the synthetic blends. Sure. I mean, like polyester and nylon, those are oil, right? So that's pretty intense to do. But let's say you're just like planting even natural materials and you're growing it. You're, you're planting it somewhere, you're using water to grow it. And then you have to ship it somewhere. So you got to stick it on a boat and you got to have somebody pick it and you got to go through all of these different things and the packaging and the sourcing. And then you got to dye it with all sorts of different chemicals. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a broken cycle that we kind of need to get out of. So I wanted to do a little part. The idea was small footprint, big impact. So what what is that going to look like? Hmm. And Honestly, these were all the things I was thinking, but I didn't actually think, how am I going to go and do this? I just Mm. did it. Mm. And it kind of worked out. I also said that I wanted to design clothes for humans that want to do anything at any time and look dope. Whereas I was kind of designing it for myself, not thinking about females. Mm. But I did say I want to design it for humans that want to do anything at any time and look dope. And so women just started wearing it. I was like, well, that's cool. I guess that's what I said. So yeah, that <laughs> kind of lines up. Yeah. So fun. And, yeah. it could, and and you're saying how the, the, obviously when you look at people like, or Topshop, Topman, yeah. uh, H&M, they're churning out new seasons every week now pretty much. Right? Yeah. So the, the it's a, it's a massive footprint of waste. Yeah. It's wild. Well, I mean, it's, it's disposable, right? Like this the whole idea of. Um, fast fashion is mm. very disposable. Um, and there's there's a couple of like eco-agents, there's a couple of people kind of going after that to kind of hold them accountable. But the faster you turn it over, and it's also slave labor, which is even worse, right? To me, it was like, I want to pay fair wages all across the board. And so I will figure out what the cost of the item would be based on the cost of creation. Mm, mm. So I wasn't like, I didn't, finish it and be like, it should be this. I finished it and I'm like, okay, it cost me that to make. That's what that costs. That's this. Wow, this is the actual cost of a product. Here's what I sell it for. Right. It's like, okay. Seems like the way it should be sorted out in my brain. So good. And tell me a bit about your journey moving to Venice and where you're from and why you were drawn to Venice. Yeah. Because that's where we are, by the way, for people at home is, or wherever you are. We're in your beautiful apartment just um, in, in the middle of Venice. Six blocks from the ocean, Venice Beach, California. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's an incredible spot. You, you, I just want you to r- r- say again what you said to me over lunch about your enthusiasm of w- where we are in the world right now in history. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you <laughs> like that one. That was funny. Um, it's, so let's go back through history. We have a short history of humanity, um, which... There have been a few creative cultural meccas which have been defining points in time for humanity. Um, Rome had its time. Incredible godfather of democracy, um, current state of affairs that most Western world countries operate under is some kind of umbrella of that. Um, Florence had its time during the Renaissance. Absolutely incredible. Michelangelo and the rest. Um, Paris, 
in amazing art and fashion still comes out of there. It's absolutely spectacular. It had its moment in the center, as did New York, as have a bunch of other places. And you now have amazing cities, Berlin and Lisbon and Sydney, and you have these amazing vibrations and these conscious people and creating things that are really special. New York's still kind of doing its thing. But at this moment in time, if you think about the creative mecca of planet Earth, it's kind of hard to argue with Los Angeles. If we just start with television and film, 90% of it, I don't know what the number is, but a massive percent of it is centered here, right? All major parts of the industry are from here, whether it's the actors, the directors, the producers, the actual production companies, the large um, uh, movie houses, whatever it might be, all based out of Los Angeles. You then look at music, all sorts of different musicians that are based out of here. And if you want to work with any of these people, you come here to be with them mm. because the quality of life is so high. And then you look at dance and you look at all of the other disciplines and fashion and the amount of fabric and the people designing that come through here. This, uh, and, and the fact that this entire city is built around creativity, regardless if you're supporting an industry, if it's the foods, whatever it might be, whatever you're bringing to it, this is the creative mecca of planet Earth at this moment in time. Um, and then if you want to spread it out a little bit further and you start looking at technology and the creativity that flows with that from the Googles and the Yahoo's and the Apple's and Tesla's and all the rest, Amazon, Facebook, they're all just up north. I mean, they're all here. They're all, this is Silicon beach that we're in right now. So this is the stretch of the alley that comes down here. Um, and yeah, so California and Los Angeles in particular is a, it's an amazing moment in human history to be mm. in the center of this and in the Mecca. And there's a weird, incredible vibration that venice brings to this that's unique to the rest of it it is isn't it like yeah. venice to me out of the whole los angeles area seems i haven't gone every single place but seems to be the most ratty yeah. <laughs> you know like it's, it's dirty like you're saying before it's, yeah. it's got that grit yeah and i think that's exciting because it's 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 real and honest but it's also a very pioneering yes. area particularly of people creatively exploring consciousness that's the area that i've observed a lot like nights of empaths reading people and then getting the empathy you know the empathetic reading translate into music and in all in this beautiful little house and everyone's engaged and just so many innovative points yeah it's yeah. amazing so that's yeah. what drew you here right I came down here, uh, I, I'd been drawn to Venice. I'd heard a lot about Venice and it was kind of, I, I, just like the fringe, right? The fringe is where you find the most interesting characters and things in the world. Um, there's some great stuff in the middle, but the further you get out, there's less of people and things and less footprints. And so then you can kind of explore a little more. Mm. And I ride an old motorcycle and I surf and I came down to Venice and I looked around and I was like, wait a minute, everybody here rides old motorcycles. They all surf and they all look like me. It's like, I should live here. And so it was one of the better decisions I've made my entire life. Wow. I found a place, set up shop, and I've kind of been here since, yeah. And how would you describe your journey since setting up shop and since starting here? Has it all felt quite effortless? Because is it something about the synchronicity of your vibration with the vibration around? Um, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, yes, the community is incredible. So that part is beautiful. Being able to find a community to be able to create and flow with. So there's 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 always effort. I don't like to say effortless, but it, the dynamic is definitely kind of more aligned, um, mm. which is which is really beautiful. And yeah, this place has inspired me beyond belief. I mean, this is where I was able to bring Yogs to life, which is the the clothing company and um, 
yeah, it's been, it's been really special and nurturing. I mean, it was like, they've been so supportive. Like every store that I've walked into basically has been like, sure. Yeah. We'd love to carry it. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And what's yet, what's next for Yogs? What's, what, where are you moving towards right now? Um, so I like to use Yogs as my voice in the world. I, I feel pretty strongly about certain things in this world and I've used it as my voice. The last collection we went to support Colin Kaepernick, who I'm not sure if you know who that is. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick. The guy that took the knee? He took the knee, yeah. yep. Um, which blew my mind that people were more upset about someone kneeling during the national anthem than they were about black kids being shot in the street. So that was kind of a, a line in the sand to me that, wow. I, 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 and I know that it's being misinterpreted, but the fact that the outrage is there and it's not on the other side just didn't sit well with me. So the, the last collection I actually called C7, Collection 7, Colin seven, whatever it might be. And we share the same first name as well. Mm. Um, but I was just, just so, so much admiration for what he was willing to do. And now that he's been basically blackballed from the NFL, mm. Eric Reed has been signed, which is great. I stopped watching football. I'm not that fussed about it anyway, but, mm. um, so we dedicated the collection to him. C seven, we used his seven, the number that he wore. Um, and we made a bunch of films about it to kind of go with it. And so that's kind of what the voice was. And then we donated part of the proceeds to go support his foundation, the know your rights camp, um, which is a big part of why I started Yogs was so that I could distribute the money, how I saw fit, uh, in this world to be able to support things. So kind of creating a closed loop system. Um, so if you buy into what we're doing and designing, you buy into the parts that we're supporting as well, which I think is important, mm. but the next collection is coming and I don't set out to go buy fabrics or look for things or design things in a certain way. I just go see what blows my mind. If I see a fabric and I'm like, whoa, then I grab the fabric. Sometimes like if I'm uncomfortable and I look at it for a bit, then I like, might get it or not. But I usually like to be completely thrown off in one direction or the other. And then I'm like, okay. And then I'll figure out what that fabric is. I make a lot of suits, but the cuts kind of vary of what it looks like. And my take on a suit is a little different. So I let the fabric kind of tell me what it's going to be. Mm. And there's a lot of black and white in this fabric. So you're going to see a pretty incredible, I'm working with this amazing photographer, Tyler Goldflower. Um, and yeah, Tyler's amazing and we're going to do these amazing photographs and that's how people will see it for the first time at the event that we throw. And my idea, it's the same as it has been from the beginning. It's not about the clothes. It's about the people. So we'll be highlighting the various masterful wizards that wear the stuff to do their thing and kind of put on a show. Amazing. Yeah. It should be really fun. It's like, it feels like a cultural voice of a movement more than a brand i mean i suppose it's it's as much of a brand as it's those things yeah but that's that's the, that's your purpose of it right yeah I, yeah i've never thought about it as a brand i never thought like i'm gonna make a brand mm-hmm. like i'm gonna make a company you know i just thought like i was gonna make shit mm. and i'm like we'll see if people like it and i'm like oh my god they do they wear it okay cool <laughs> so it's like i don't do a lot of branding i just kind of let it speak for itself mm. and i do I spend a lot of time creating the stuff. I put a lot of love and energy into it. Um, I treat the people who touch it very, very well. And so when you get that item, and there's very few of them, right? It's all dead stock. So you'll get out of a piece of fabric, I'll get between anywhere between 10 on the low end and 100 pieces on the high end. Right. So that's it. Once it's gone, it's gone. I can't recreate it. Or I don't want to anyway. I would never do it. So it, I, I think it adds to that. And yes, movement is a big part of this, right? I think helping to shift human consciousness, moving people, allowing them to wear their insides and their outsides. Like the tagline for us is now you can, like if you've been waiting for permission, like now you can, you, you can do it. We support you. There's a bunch of us running around having a beautiful time waiting for you to come and join. So 
you can do that. It's playful. When I when I look at the Instagram page and anyone that wants to go check it out, it's at Yogix, which is Y O G G X. Yep. And you'll see the the variation in playful colors. That's the feeling it gave me, and I, sp- I imagine that's intentional because it's just an extension of what you love doing. Yeah. But it's it's playful, fun, vibrant, and it's kind of where I want to go <laughs> with where I dress in. Because you, yeah. you come away from a place like Burning Man and you just feel like, oh, fuck, I just want to dress fun every day. Like, it's, it's fun. You feel good when, yeah. you, when you dress bright. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a piece of art, right? You're this amazing being. Me specifically, creature. thank you. You, yes. You. <laughs> just you. This one's just for you. Um, yeah, but it's, it's some other humans as well. Yeah. Um, as you're walking around, I mean, that's your. That's the first impression that you get to share with the entire universe every single day is kind of what you decide to dress yourself in. Mm, mm. And that changes. Like, I, I have a, a real job in the world where I, I run a interactive production technology company cool um where we engage people live to play along with television shows video games whatever it might be right and so i need to be able to go negotiate with the brass at cnn and abc my title is chief creative officer so i can be a little bit funky Mm. um but i still need to play the part so it's not a distraction and so i had to create another kind of portion of what i was doing so that i had that so then I put like the details on the cuffs. Like I work with an artist mm. and we'll put that detail, right? So right. it's day becoming night or night becoming day in the desert. Cool. Created by La La Love. So on the inside of the pants, if you flip the cuff, that's what you get. Wicked. Yeah. So the funk is always there. It's just whether or not you want to share it with the world at that moment in time. So fun. Yeah. So fun. Fun is key. Think of how little time you get here. Like if you're not enjoying it, figure out what to do to get to enjoy it. So that's what you feel and the purpose embedded with that is this how wasteful we are and yeah. you're, t- you're talking over lunch about living more harmoniously and sync with nature and yeah. how much dissonance comes when we don't. Yeah. So that's what you feel like. If, if, if there's one significant takeaway people want to feel from being in your presence, it's... it's a good question. Um... You don't have to destroy it to enjoy it. Cool. And it rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Seuss is an inspiration. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think that's the simplest, easiest way to mm. to say it. It's just... And unfortunately, I mean, we're brought up and industrial and institutionalized to believe that the system works. And like, hey, we've got recycling. And you just throw your trash here. And like, there's just no need to. You just don't need to have that much trash. Take a water bottle with you. Reusable cup take your own and like you might feel weird at the start but you'll just start to feel better and you'll start to notice the system Mm. you'll start to see the flaws and then you can start to see where you can fix those but you really have to do it for yourself first Mm. and make it a game make it fun some a friend of mine said to me like if changing the world is awful nobody will do it but if you make it fun everybody will do it that's so fun that makes me think you know how in burning man you got the you got your cup that you take away take around with you you could have the same thing for a lunchbox when you go out just hanging a lunchbox off your belt and then when you go to Irwan or Whole Foods or whatever. Take your own container. Yeah, because that's one thing I've noticed there is like when you get lunch there, that container has a lifespan of like a couple of minutes. Yeah. It's crazy. And then it's just, and like you said, the compostable element is like, yeah, but all the energy it took to create it, it's yeah. it's madness how wasteful we are, isn't it? Yeah. So, 
I feel like you should be able to teach some business how, or entrepreneurs how to create businesses with that methodology of profit being last. And it, the key ingredient for that, would you say, is imagination or creativity? For sure. Mm. For sure. For sure. I mean, it was Einstein that famously quoted as saying imagination is far more powerful and important than knowledge, right? Mm. Um, so I think you have the idea in mind and then figure out the way to get there. And those first steps and the foundation upon which you actually define it, the ethos, the words, the thoughts that you lean into it, mm. that is what's going to steer the entire thing. Mm. And so I didn't know that. I had no idea. But what I set up for it was so grand and so large that it took itself and went with it. And I, I, I suppose, yes, that was the idea that I had behind it. That's why I did it. But never once did I link the two to being so important as to why those foundational principles were so important. Right. Yeah. And you wouldn't be making as much money as you could be blatantly because of this, this methodology or... Yes. If I wanted to make more money on it, I believe I could. I mm. believe that's a possibility. I've had some people approach me to be investors and to make it bigger. Um, I enjoy the way I'm doing it at the moment because it's such a beautiful personal connection I get to have with people. Mm -hmm. And it makes it very special because I'm creating something from what I'm doing out of pure love in the healthiest way possible. I get to share it with some of the most magical people I've ever met and the people that are drawn to it. Mm. Like I get randomly get phone calls being like, hey, I got your number from a guy. Are you the Yogs guy? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, who'd you get my number from? And we have a little chat. I'm like, great. And they're like, where can I get it? And I'll send them to a store or they'll come down and see me and we'll go through the experience. And so, so that, that part's amazing. Because um, it, it, for me, it's like you're breaking this kind of a wall down of particularly for men in how we think we should be appear in the world, how we think we should turn up in the world. And you're kind of like smashing this illusion <laughs> and, and I love that because it, it has got that fun, playful vibe, which, which again, men just don't have that. You're rugged. You're badass. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you, you can be rugged and fucking badass and look awesome and colorful and fun. Yeah. Like they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Right. And like, it's, it's changing. The definition of what a man is and what masculinity is, mm. is changing. And that's on us to kind of usher that in to be like, Hey, like it is okay to, embrace this part and to play and have fun mm. like it's not the stereotypes of the old of which you thought it was like that guy's wearing flower pants he must be gay mm. well, what mm. what did that mm. flowers are pretty mm. lovely <laughs> like if you don't yeah. like flowers yeah. that's weird yeah. what, what do you have against flowers like no judgment but like i would love to talk to somebody who's like i hate flowers if they have an allergy i get it yeah. but if you just hate flowers yeah there's you might be a serial killer. I don't yeah, know. There's, yeah, something, there's, something there's, like, up. there's a weird thing. <laughs> Flowers are the most beautiful, innocent, delicate right, things. Right. Like, it's like hating a baby. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like a puppy. It's like, I fucking hate puppies. They're so adorable. It's just bizarre. I put a flowers on a lot of things. Not like I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. It's just a lot of things end up having flowers yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It's fun. Yeah. Love flowers. And I never thought about it. Somebody once said to me like, wow, that's like really, that's like really brave and bold. Like you're wearing flowers. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. How, how about this for a hurdle? I, I want to hear some of your challenges soon, but one challenge is on my mind at the moment since I lost all my luggage is how to design, how to grab new clothes. And for me, it's like you go to one store, there's super high-end, beautiful fabrics, gorgeous, but very, very expensive. Yeah. Then you go to a vintage shop and it's, it feels like a mess. And I don't know where to start. <laughs> so I, I, I get overwhelmed very easily with design. But if I see, I know when I see something, I'm like, I fucking love that and I'll get it. Yeah. Um, it, I'm a bit like that with how you choose fabric. Yeah. 
but the but I want to be able to just have a bunch of things in my wardrobe and know that that looks great. Know that that looks great because I often try on a lot of things and like it doesn't look that good on me. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. How do you overcome or where do you go or how do you how do you get better at shopping for good things that suit you specifically? It's a fucking hard question, maybe, but no. I mean, it's a. I think it's a good question too. So I think, again, situationally, um, for me, I always am function first. So it has to be functional. Right. Like if I have something that's not functional, and for me, functional is pockets, places to put things, and comfort. Stretchy waist. Y- yeah. 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 I make everything with a stretchy waist. Yeah. <laughs> like an elastic waist. Like why am I doing up a button and undoing a button? And a fucking belt. Oh. Don't you, you, don't, you don't need it. <laughs> like one of my other things was like I travel a lot. So I'm going through the airport. I don't want to take anything off and have to put it back on. Mm. So I literally like just walk through and the TSA agents are quite like, damn. <laughs> it's funny. They're like, where'd you get that? They're taking photos of me. It's hysterical. Yeah. Um, but so function is is key to what I do. I also, it's hard for me. I haven't really bought clothes in a long time because I design and make them all. Mm. But I highly recommend quality over quantity. So you don't need that much, mm. says mm. the guy who has a ton of clothes. In his <laughs> yeah. But um, you, you, you just don't because inevitably you'll go back to the same things over and over. Yeah. So yeah. you're actually in a good spot at the moment because you don't have to run out and replace everything. You can yeah. think about what you actually want and yes. need and well, then go from there. You're also speaking to someone that for four years just wore black jeans and white t-shirt for uh, uh, different t-shirts, obviously, but like 30 of them. Yeah. But that just was for me ease and not having to think about because that's it. It's fun expressing yourself, but it's also time consuming. And yes, unless you're in love with the process, yes, like, which which I just came to a place where I wasn't. But now I'm yes. just feeling this inner urge of just self expression in color. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Right and now. I go through black. I wear. I put on the New York uniform and go black. And just <laughs> is it down. a New York uniform? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you'll notice, like everybody in New York is just wearing different versions of black. Right. It's the New York uniform. Right. right. It's just like in Paris is why everyone's dressed right. black. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. You get to like a certain frequency and level and it's just like, fuck it, black. <laughs> yeah. It was like LA is just, I don't know, maybe it's climate, attitude, I don't know. Well, the sun definitely has an imprint on this place, that's for sure. It's yeah. fucking always sunny. Yeah. Such good vibes. 350 days a year of sun or something. Amazing. And when it rains, it's beautiful. Rain is good. I think it's raining tomorrow. Great. Yeah, yeah really excited. Um, so what are your current biggest humps in terms of your own personal evolution in terms of you maybe your work what's tripping you up and what what are you trying to overcome at the moment hmm. might not be an overcome it might be more of a this thing's a challenge you know if it's if it's a, a bug in the way you think maybe or so um like for me, the example, my most recent one was when I lost my luggage and choosing to let go of it rather than cling on to the idea that I can get it back and um, cause more misery in my own mind because I haven't got what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, so the evolution for me was just like, let it go. Yeah. Let it go. It's a good one. That's in everything, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it doesn't it turn out how you want it to. It's like, let it go. Yes. The girl doesn't call you back. It's like, let it go. Yes. You didn't get the job. You're like, let it go. It's just constant part of life. Mm. Um, that's good because I've been thinking kind of evolutionarily for myself a lot lately. Um, mm. I, I, like I mentioned, I run a couple of different companies and I'm very excited about what I do with all of them. Um, 
but making sure that I have the time to be able to focus and to not have them be stagnant and to move them to different levels. Mm. So with Yogs, um, it's growing and it's beautiful. And I'm being approached to do a lot of custom pieces for people by super talented, amazing artists and musicians and dancers. And it's, it's amazing. Mm. So it's now understanding the power and the influence, not having that effect in a way that changes the creativity or sucks the creativity out of what I'm doing. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Before it was like, I have no idea where this is going to go. This is how I'm going to do it. But now having all of these people coming to me and all of these external influences, does that change the process? Right. And is it a positive change? So it's being aware of it. And then do I make decisions going, oh, this people will like this more. Okay. And I don't know which way to go with that at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm not really going with that. I'm still doing it. Oh, this is what I want to do. And this is how I want to do it. Right. And that becomes when you keeping the quality of your engagement high, when the quantity goes up, is it because the quantity yes. is going up that you can, that it would be, it's tempting to watch, not cheat, but you know, like shortcut the, maybe it's not even shortcut. Well, I just couldn't it's, do that for myself. Yeah. Right. Like I just wouldn't be, I wouldn't be okay with it. Mm. So I, I can't, I can't do that part. Like one of the parts I have thought is going to the next level, doing bigger quantities, moving it out into a bit more of a mass distribution, mm. still doing kind of like the boutique experience, but having more pieces mm. instead of making it all in downtown LA, I'd make it in Mexico and then raise the wages by which I pay people. Mm. So instead of having people flee Mexico to come here, providing good jobs in Mexico so that they have a better quality of life there. Awesome. So it'll cost me less to get made, but I can pay a higher living wage than what they would have there normally. So, so then they have a better life. So Fuck, that's, that's integrity. <laughs> so that's kind of the way. Well, also at the end of the day too, like I've done pretty well for myself. I've been pretty fortunate that way. Um, I've had many good jobs and people have paid me for my brain and my skill to do things. There's, is it nice having a lot of money? Sure. But it's really nice helping. It's way more gratifying to help people out and to see other people really happy to be able to do things because at the end of the day, you don't actually need that much. Mm. There's like a baseline of things you need, which like I've got covered very well. And then the other stuff's gravy. And there's a few things like I'll add as I kind of keep going through the world that way. But it's to me, it's not having like the 200 foot yacht and doing mm. that. It's mm. a great saying is a rising tide lifts all ships. And it's nice to be a part of that, I think. And that comes back to community and Venice and the humans that I've met here. So cool. What a great pocket you've landed in. That's wild. <laughs> how did you yeah. how did you fall in? I mean, apart from the few points of obvious attraction to come in here and how how would you have you always had this kind of desire or if you had to look at the, your teenage self, what was yeah. going on in that brain? Um, I have I think always done and been successful because I have when something makes my being shake i do it i just chase that right like i was a professional snowboarder i love snowboarding i was good at it it was blowing up in the world people were throwing money and products at me to do it so i was like fuck yeah i'm doing i can do this <laughs> i remember my my mom my, my sponsor was like he needs to take the year off the olympics are coming up he should try and go and qualify for this and go do this and my dad was like wow that's amazing my mom was like he'll never go to school it'll be terrible <laughs> and my dad was like so he becomes a professional snowboarder for the rest of his life. <laughs> like, okay. 
But I don't <laughs> see the downside of this. My dad was a nuclear engineer as well. So wow. nuclear physicist, engineer. School was big to him. My mom was a nurse. So he was cool with it. So him and my sponsor convinced my mom. And I went and did that for a little while. I blew my <laughs> knee out, unfortunately. And, oh, but you, you just don't... Um, you don't have to grow up. You do have to grow. But you don't have to grow up. So keep the childlike wonder, I think, of this world to explore and play. And if something makes you feel awesome or interests you, go explore it. That's mm. that's kind of what I've done everywhere that I've ever gone with people and places. And then you keep the ones close to you that you really vibrate with and you love wherever they are in the world. It's pretty easy now. Mm. And you just focus on the things that you really want to do and separate yourself from the outcome. Right? The process is the big part of what everything is. Like this conversation, I'm not worried about what the end is. I just mm. got to yeah. know you over lunch. I had a great time. Now we're just having a really rad chat. Mm. So it's the experience that you get. Like, how was it described to me the other day? Um, uh, life is a collection of experiences, love is the moments that you remember. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Isn't it? That's all life is, just a collection of experiences. Yeah, followed by, you're nothing more than a fancy houseplant. You need to get outside and get some sun and drink plenty of water. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, man. Yeah, just but. don't don't let the curiosity die. Like, don't let that fire and like... And when people are like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what my purpose is. Just go try shit. Mm. Do shit. Find mm. out what makes you fucking light up. Mm. That's it's the funny thing. how it can die, like without you being aware of it like even if it's the relationship you're in if it's the oh, job that yeah. you do there's certain things that how, how do you go through them like you must catch them early because I know I've been guilty of sometimes not really being 10 feet deep in a, a, a cycle that's not serving me if it's a relationship if it's work yeah. or if it's whatever before I realize oh wait a minute that's why you know, I'm not in my pocket. Yeah. Like you pull yourself into your pocket, right? Quite. Try to. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, again, I try to focus on the parts that really vibrate with me. That mm. I'm just like, mm. I, I just can't let go or shake that blow my mind. Um, have you ever gone into a slump? Like where? Yeah. 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 Tell me about that. Um, going through my divorce was kind of one of the worst things that I've ever, ever gone through. That was pretty intense. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I was young. I wasn't that young, but I was young uh, emotionally. Um, uh, my, both my parents died. My dad died. My mom died when I was 20. My dad died when I was 24. Whoa. And I was kind of left on my own. I have a half brother. But in terms of direct relatives, I was then free floating. So I had no responsibility to anybody except for myself and no real attachment in the world. So I was just floating. Um, I forced myself to go through law school. I wasn't ready to go out into the real world and I didn't, I needed to have an anchor of some sort. My theory was kind of bred into me from my father was that you always have to be building, right? It's building blocks. I don't care what the direction is, just be putting something foundationally there. Always be learning. And so I just kind of bounced around and I was finding it very difficult to make sense of any of the world at that point. And then I met this girl and it was wonderful and beautiful. And I got a job. I was a lawyer and I got a job then working for the New York times. And I went over to work for this 
companies, Summit Communications in Vietnam to write a socioeconomic product, uh, report based on emerging markets, right? So Vietnam was growing, China was growing, everybody was scared of how fast China was growing. Can we divert some of the investment to have people build some of the things in Vietnam that we're building in China? So All I was right. there to figure that out with some other people, more or less. It's kind of the high, high level of it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so followed the girl back to New York and then went to LA and it was, it, I, and I loved her and it was amazing. It was wonderful. And then to have that pulled out from under you and have life take a totally different spin. was like, Whoa, that is wild. Mm-hmm. And it took me back to like dealing with the death of my parents. And then you realize that you're, I wasn't defining myself. I was uh, picking others to define me. That's interesting. So you, you weren't really in the driver's seat for your, even though I was, I was control, I was coordinating everything and making the money and doing all of the work. I was allowing other people to define what that was. Right. You define your value. Yeah. Would define the idea of what you are based on who you're with and what you're doing. Yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden when that gets taken away from you, you can imagine if you're doing that and that's then gone, it's just very emptying and I battled depression a little bit through that. I had no idea what depression was. And then all of a sudden I was standing in my kitchen and I was just like, God, I just felt shitty about this. And I'm talking to a buddy <laughs> and I was just kind of going through it. And I'm like, I think I'm depressed. Hmm. I was like, oh, what if, and then it quickly changed to, if I have this, if my life is amazing and I feel like this, what the fuck is everybody else dealing with? I was like, that, that's intense. I'm like, what a battle this is for so many people. I'm like, oh my God. Mm. And then I, I went through that for quite a while. It's not something you can kind of rush through. Obviously, you just got to kind of let it happen. I'm fortunate to be surrounded by some amazing people and have some very close friends. So I was able to kind of go through that. But yeah, those have been very tough times. And it was as with anything you do, there are tough times. Like there's another company that I run with some friends called Fruition Magician, <laughs> and artists get taken advantage of in this world. And I see that in every direction and talented people, they try to take advantage of them, right? Because they're so creative that they don't have that business mindset. So I get approached to work with people and help people in a lot of different ways. And so what I wanted to do was bring these people together and take care of them and then create amazing things, use their talents, but get them rewarded properly for it. Mm -hmm. So we got approached by a company called Kitty Hawk, which is Larry Page's um, flying car company, Larry Page, one of the founders of Google. Mm. He put a team together run by a Canadian, Todd, who is a genius and a wonderful human being. And they created a flying car, him and his team. I think they were goal was to do it in five years. They did it in two. And so all of a sudden it's basically a drone that you sit in, but it's brilliant. I was the sixth person to ever fly it. Wow. And they approached us to build them. What would the village and experience be like to go test drive a flying car? So I got to put this crew together and go out and do that. And that was one of the more intense, challenging, exhausting things I've ever gone through. And by the end of it, I was driving home from Vegas and I had reached my absolute limit and I just burst out crying for almost the entire drive. And I was just like, I had to pull over to the side of the road. I just like everything just like Mm. collapsed. It was wild. We had two crews working 24 hours for 22 days with 100 degree weather during the day. Oh, that's exhausting. Lake Las Vegas and Henderson, Nevada. Yeah, it was wild. Fuck. But the people that we put in charge are, I mean, the guy, Sean Taylor, the guy behind it, that was kind of the orchestrator, the builder, the welder, the designer of it. He's just an absolutely brilliant human being and so talented that 
what he built is amazing and it's cool and it's a great home for a flying car the world's first flying car <laughs> are they gonna roll them out because i heard um elon was saying they're just too noisy for to be in a it's not true yeah like i love elon but like yeah. it might be noisy for the first hundred feet but then when it gets to where it's flying you won't even hear it oh really it doesn't make any sense yeah the noise thing isn't a problem so go, think about this right we live on this ball and there's very few places where you can actually drive a vehicle on the ball yeah yeah the moment you go out the ball gets bigger and the entire plane of that ball is usable and you have so many planes yeah they keep getting bigger yeah yeah. so you can keep going out and putting these things everywhere yeah and everybody's like oh like light pollution you'll never see it like no you can put them up there and they're tiny and so to the credit of what kitty hawk and the team is doing and larry in particular as i understand it i haven't met larry but the story that i hear is he really wants to move uh humanity forward right Mm -hmm. evolution can be prompted by creation. So this was a zero to one moment. You don't get many of those in life. That's why I was so excited to be a part of it. And I said yes to this mm. was that we went from not being able to fly a human being except in an airplane to now you can fly. And literally I learned to do it in about 30 minutes and it's one of the easiest things in the world. So I was blown away by that. Wow. But to his credit, he's like, I don't want another toy for billionaires because they could easily just turn around and start selling these to people. Right. Mm. He wants it for transportation. Because if you start moving people around, like let's say it's easy to get downtown LA from here in a flying car, and then you just grab like a scooter and Uber for last mile transportation, which is how they think about transportation like that. All of a sudden, you just don't have that many cars on the road. And it's an electric vehicle, so it's sustainable. Mm. And and, And roads occupy so much real estate. It's just wasted real estate down here. It's farmland, it's Mm. community, it's property, it's places for people to live, to explore. Then it would seem that giving the planet back more of the planet would be a really good idea. It would be pretty happy with that. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hugely supportive of that. And I think technology and innovation is a massive part, a massively important part to our, our evolution and moving things forward to a healthier, better place. What's, what's stopping that car getting rolled out? Because there'll be so many restrictions in terms of flight space and all that kind of stuff. Sure, that will come and they will govern that accordingly and people will figure out how that works. But uh, first of all, it's very new technology. Right. Still flying over water. I was literally the sixth person to ever fly it, right? So behind like the two guys who created it, the head of the flying school, the head of the, the, the other two people that coordinate the flying effort from the telemetry, which is the kind of uh, ground control, then me. So you need a few more flights, which they're getting daily and weekly. They're kind of doing that. Mm. Um, And it's just over water at the moment. Mm. And then I think the next big move from that is people don't need to fly them. Right. Right. Yeah. It would be safer if they didn't. What you need is the protocol. You need to plug in and go, I need to go to here, click. And then it takes you up, coordinates with every other object in the air, picks the path and you go. Yeah. Which is actually not that it's very complicated to get it to that, but that's kind of the design of the software of where we're getting to. What's that protocol and how does it speak to each other? Yeah. And from everything that I've seen and read, that's, that's getting closer and closer and closer. Wow. And so I think the next evolution for them is, I mean, they'll, I don't know if it's public, they can tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> done that part. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what, at Burning Man this year, saw that drone show, 600 drones moving up. I can't believe my brain thought that there were 600 pilots on the ground. <laughs> That's what I, I, I think I was a bit high, but I was also my brain was like, there must be 600 pilots. But the syncopation was 
absolutely spectacular. It's like the first time you've ever seen a professional ballet, but it's in the air and it's done with lights and they're all dancing through each other. So the first thing I thought was now imagine them with little LCD screens on each of them and they get together to form a giant image. Oh, cool. And then all of a sudden it's like a lion versus a tiger and they attack each other as they hit, it turns into something else. Wow. Like, the evolution of where this can go. And again, that with the flying car company, you put it together. Now you have the syncopation. Now all of a sudden you're moving things around. Now transportation. Yeah. So that's a, another, it's just beautiful. It's great that humans are pushing that forward. It's so cool. Yeah. And what kind of program would have that been to like orchestrate this 3D moving bits? I don't know. I need to get in touch with those guys though. If you're listening. I know, I know you're a group from Miami, I believe, and I have your name written down and somebody's trying to put us in touch, but I have a really fun project, so please get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, man. Yeah. And so, that, going back to that period where of that real darkness, what were some tools or techniques that kind of pulled you through that kind of depressed phase? Um, two things that stand out to me uh, were... I had spent, um, I, I'd, I'd gone through a couple of relationships and I'd spent basically a decade with two women doing the same kind of thing, repeating that pattern. And I had some very close friends two two incredibly close friends that I have in my life that came to me and were like, Hey, like no roommate, no girlfriend, no animal, no anything like just go through this. And I was just like, Whoa, like two people that I respect. This is your advice that you're giving me. That's real. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. They're like, take a year. Just take, just don't do anything else. Just f- sit with yourself for a while. And just feel it. Yeah. And so I did. And I was able to kind of go through my life to that point and sit with it. And then when you're looking in the mirror and you're depressed and you're lying on your floor and you're just like, oh, it's me and you. <laughs> like, okay, what does that mean? What does it look like? What do you want? <laughs> what are you going to do? And so the, that was the one part was being completely alone in it to experience that. Um, and having done that with the loss of my parents and everything else, and then being surrounded by those incredible people that I could talk to about it. And that was the big part was that I could just be fully open and honest and they would just listen to anything I had to say about it and provide amazing insight and be a great sounding board. Mm. And just go through it. Don't rush. There's no, like, you should be here or shouldn't be there. And they were never once, like, get over it. Like, you need to be done with this. There's just always amazing humans to listen to it. That's amazing to have that yeah. support. Yeah. Yeah. But also just be willing in yourself to sit in it. Because that's one thing you doesn't, it feels like you shouldn't be doing to just be in the pain or be in the, sadness you feel like i need to be fixing this i need to be doing something to right. feel better and they're all the what things. i've done my whole life yeah and i'm stuck here so let's <laughs> let's sit with this one for a little bit and so what what bubbled to the surface in, in that period just sadness because I, I i've gone through very similar things as well but yeah what, what kind of bubbled to the surface then you felt like you identified like this uh, confronting the feelings of losing your parents, for example, that would have. It, um, because I am completely alone and I don't have a family, the natural instinct is to look for something to latch onto, whether it's a partner, a family, friends, whatever that might be to go in that direction. So when I have a partner, I become embedded in their family 
and their life, right? It's just natural. It's like, if there's a family thing to do, well, I don't have any fucking family. So yeah, we'll go there. Thanksgiving, <laughs> let's go to your place. Christmas, <laughs> let's go to your place. <laughs> that It's not that I don't have any family. I have my aunt and uncle, who my uncle is my dad's brother. Mm. So I go and see them. They're in England. So it's a little bit more of a journey, mm. um, but they're amazing wonderful humans um and they've been incredible my entire life and my own cousin was just here actually and he i get to see him twice a year now so it's amazing hmm. but that was a, a the, the going back to it was yeah it's just dealing with what it means to be alone and if that's if this is what it is then what does that mean what does it look like and if you're not happy with it what do you want to do to change it because at the end of the day, if you're not happy with being alone with yourself, then you're not happy with yourself. And why are you not happy with yourself? Mm. And what does that look like? And at the end of the day, I was like, I really fucking like me. Like, I love what I do. I'm like, I'm fucking weird. I don't get most of me. I'm like, but I really enjoy it. So we're going to, we're going to keep going and exploring this. That's so cool. Yeah. Isn't it funny that we got this conditioning of, of not liking ourselves, not being able to sit with ourselves, not be able to, I mean, largely contend with the inundatedness, the the high volume of thoughts that come through our brains. Like I think that's, for me, meditation was the savior because changing my relationship to my thoughts and realizing that I don't have to be the thoughts, they're just occurring to me. Yeah. And so therefore, that's, isn't that interesting? I didn't choose to have this thought, but it's coming into my brain. That, why? That, that must have Why? <laughs> yeah, where'd yeah. that come from? Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. a big revelation in going, who's, 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 in, the, who's in the captain's seat? Yeah. You know, like, and where are these coming from and why are they coming? And who am I that's witnessing them? It's just a, it's a reflection that is so needed in order to kind of save this kind of chronic mental struggle illness whatever you want to call it because we, i suppose it's the being entirely convinced you're not processing emotions like we're not taught how to process emotions and process feelings very well and even with family and friends you know i think one thing i on reflecting on what you're saying about having got any family realizing the importance of creating a family around mm. you like creating people there's a handful of friends now where i'm like you you feel like family. You understand me. You see all of me, and you don't judge me. You but you want the best for me, and that's isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? That's the most powerful, beautiful gift any human can give another one, isn't it? Is hey, here's this me, and then the response is, great, hi. And you're like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. Which is why any relationships is so hard because you give up a part of that. What do you mean? The when you open yourself to someone, you become intimate and deeply connected. When that ends, you then lose that yes. connection, right? You're like, oh, mm. it's a death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a transition, isn't it? And you got, you remember all the, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's important in those times. It's hard. It's hard to stay in contact with those people. And sometimes it's not sustainable to stay in contact, but I love the idea of being able to continue relations with them. Yeah. Um, but that requires great communication and and involving each other in being real and frank with how you're being affected by one another and, and boundaries and a bunch of things. But and I think time. And time. You need to you need to heal, move on, change your course and your pattern and then you can come back and be like, Hey mm-hmm. Yeah. You can be a part of each other's lives potentially after that. Mm-hmm. 
Man, you're in a great pocket. <laughs> mm, thanks. <laughs> it must feel good. Um, it feels incredible, yeah. yeah. And to know... I, I mean, I, I can't stress enough. I don't really understand it. I don't. I, don't. Um, I appreciate it. I'm incredibly grateful. I'm starting to understand a little bit. I'm starting to have my eyes open to why and how. Um, the next project that we're working on is pretty incredible. We're building this amazing experience in downtown LA that I got approached to help with this, uh, with the, the summit series, um, oh, which yeah, is a, a gathering of, it's an ideas conference. They yeah. gather industry leaders and minds from all over the world and they put them together and they try to create an experience that they can coordinate people to actually go off and do things. Oh, it's so good. So, I've been invited to um, speak at one in Bali, the Open Circles. They're, they're the people that created Summit Series is created in great. Open Circles. Great. Yeah, it's re- it's it sounds sick. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really like the people and I met a bunch of people in the community and they were like, can you help us curate some of this experience? And so me and my gang are rolling in and building out a massive part of it, which I think is going to be pretty oh, incredible. Oh, dude, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. They're the kind of hubs that I suppose it's kind of what Burning Man does in a way. You know, like the the banging of ideas coming together to facilitate evolution or new thinking, or you go back into the world. I mean, the same way you, you leave Burning Man, you go back into the world and want to integrate your learnings, like a psychedelic experience as well. You come away and want to go integrate your learnings. Yes, it's done its job. Now you go do yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have and, you, and, yeah. yeah. Sorry. No. Go ahead. Have you had much experiences with psychedelics or plant medicines? Yes. What would have been some of your key takeaways? Um, the first, my first experience ever was, uh, or my first thought as I was going through it was, how could anybody ever say this is a bad idea? <laughs> like all it does is open up your brain, make you think and want to explore the world and humanity and yourself. I'm like, I just don't see it. It just makes you a loving, open creature. I don't see the negativity to this. So mm-hmm. I, I, my entire experience with anything that opens up your mind has been a positive, I guess if you have some mental illness and there's some diseases that you need to be conscious of, then that's a bad idea. But mm. for the mass majority, and I mean, the research that's coming out, we were talking about it earlier scientifically that what is happening with psychedelics to be able to help people deal with depression and PTSD and all sorts of different traumas is pretty remarkable. I mean, some of the, best results we've ever had mm, in mm. studying those fields mm. amazing yeah exciting well thanks man it's yeah, been, this is a blast it's, it's been really fun connecting with you and hearing your story and thanks for sharing it and being open thanks for having me this is my first ever podcast is it yeah great this is fun <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else any other areas you want to share about or things you want to talk about um I don't think so. Mm. I, I, I mean, just do it all with kindness and love, mm. whatever that means to you. But just do things with kindness and the world responds in kind and take care of it and each other. Mm. Yeah. It's a beautiful, and just create and play and enjoy it. The universe put you in the position that you're in to enjoy the way that you should. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks, man. Thanks.